All right, and welcome back to another episode of the Silver Screen and Roll podcast. I'm your host, Harrison Fagan, and Anthony Irwin is not joining me today. I have massively upgraded in terms of uh, usual co-hosts, and I am joined by Katie Heindel, who is a features writer for Uproxx. She is a host at the Dishes and Dimes pod. She has been a credentialed reporter covering the Raptors, and as we were talking about just before we went live here, that doesn't necessarily mean a whole lot this year, but it did mean something, you know, a couple years, like over the last couple years, getting to cover this team up close and so I was you know we wanted to do player-centric preview pods for every single player or at least the new additions on the roster the short turnaround did not allow us the time to fully do that and uh, figure that out but there is one player that I really wanted to talk about and that's uh, Katie that's who I you know you were gracious enough to agree to come on here to talk about with me today and it is a player that you know whose brother I think is near and dear to my heart, and who I think you know Mark is near and dear to your heart, and that is you know obviously Marcus All. So Katie, just first of all, how are you doing? And uh, yeah, I mean, just like I guess, are you ready for basketball to come back? I wasn't, uh, but I think I am. <laughs> I, I like it. Just felt it feels way too soon still to me. Um, yes, I have to keep reminding myself it's tomorrow. Um, and not in like a matter of weeks still, but I guess it's coming whether or not we're ready for it. Um, but I miss, I miss Mark very deeply. I have to say, like, I've not yet kind of gelled with what the Raptors, what this current Raptors team looks like. I just keep feeling like, you know, Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka are just going to like walk in the door again and they'll be like, oh, hey guys. Yeah, sorry. They'll we be like, been. oh yeah, Mark's <laughs> coming out to the Zoom in 10 minutes. Like, yeah. uh, you know, just... <laughs> Yeah, I guess, you know, I miss them. (laughs) Yeah, no. And look, I want to get into that. I I do like, you know, as far as the NBA season starting this soon goes, though, like I'm right there with you. Like I was writing today our preview for tomorrow's game. And I was like, the preseason, like almost didn't help me feel like it was coming back because it was I I don't know what the Raptors were like, because I didn't catch any of their preseason games. But like for the Lakers, it's like, oh, like Taylor Horton Tucker's going off for like 30 points and stuff. Like that doesn't feel like a real basketball game. And so it almost like it gave me the summer league buzz that I needed that I was missing this year of like not getting to go to Vegas, getting to watch like all these like, you know, either fringe prospects or guys who might actually make NBA rosters like go off for way more points and production than they normally would. So, you know, it fulfilled that need for me, but it did not be, you know, normally after summer league, we have months before mm-hmm. there's actual basketball to cover. And then now it's like, oh, yeah, by the way, it's like starting a week after that. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a really apt way to put it. I miss very much like Summer League for that, for just like the kind of crashing style of of basketball. And like the Raptors did look a little bit like that, like mostly because Lowry didn't play. So they automatically look a lot more disorganized. Uh, I heard a lot about Taylor Horton Tucker, who I haven't seen play, but I'm pretty intrigued by. Oh, um, you'll be seeing him. You'll be seeing him. That's future NBA <laughs> all-star Taylor him. Horton Tucker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've heard a lot about him. Um, but yeah, like to me, like that's the rhythm, right? It's like the season ends, summer league, uh, a few just kind of like long drawn out months of like NBA summer vacation, which I feel like is my time to shine to, to watch NBA summer vacation unfold. That obviously didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. And then there's like, the chaos of free agency, which happens before. And usually, yeah, you've got a con- like some buffer months to like get over it. And my problem right now is I'm like, I think what's going to happen is when games start officially tomorrow, um, you're going to, I'm going to be like, wait, oh yeah, that guy plays here now. Like j- there was so much like movement of like that sort of like second and, t- and third like tier player uh, in this, like in the crazy fast and furious two week, like a 
free agency or whatever that like four day free agency yeah, more like. yeah. <laughs> still dragged on because i'm like yeah like what's james harden doing no one knows we don't have to yeah. talk about that but i think like just the landscape has changed so much in a short period of time from even just when we saw these teams last that it's going to take a fair bit of catching up you know what i mean no. for it to feel like okay i i know what this this team looks like for every team and i know like their identity um and i also know like who plays where. <laughs> yeah, so that's exactly it. It's like, it almost feels like this is the year where like Charles Barkley would finally be able to beat people in like a content and <laughs> like a game of who he play for because mm-hmm. like no one knows who anyone plays for at this point. And like, I feel like his guessing would have just as much of an, like a chance as you or I to guess about rosters that we do not cover. Mm-hmm. Um, I almost <laughs> honestly feel like that about the Lakers sometimes. Like I, I, the first time Mark showed up for a Zoom call, I was like, I, I mean, I knew he played for the Lakers, but it's still like this weird thing. It's like, oh yeah, he's in like a Lakers uniform now and mm-hmm. all this stuff so like I, I mean this is what you know I brought you on here to talk about and like you know your first tweet to me I think ever was I mean we had followed each other for a while but like I think your first actual tweet at me was I had tweeted about Marcus all and you just said treat him well so I just want to know like like what inspired like, like what made you connect uh, so much as like uh you know I read the story that uh one of the most recent stories you wrote on Mark you talked to the headline is literally I'm Mark so this is obviously <laughs> someone that you identify with um like what made him so like someone that you could connect with like that Mm-hmm. With Mark, it's weird because I think it was such a slow burn. Like he came in midseason. I was kind of skeptical. You know, it was like, all right, what like what's he really going to bring? You know, they ditched JV. Um, and just like it was just a year that the team like they were trying to figure out this this makeup, this kind of like perfect plug and play thing that then like obviously Kawhi fit so perfectly into. But for Mark, I was just like, you know, I'd seen him play, but. And I liked all, I liked him, his personality very much off the court already. I knew he was like an avid vegetable gardener. I obviously like knew his humanitarian work. Like he spent a summer basically like rescuing migrants, like in the, in like the seas, like off of Greece and stuff. And I knew. Need to write a parenting book. I think I is think like so. like what you, yeah, is what so. you learned from like yeah. listening to what Mark and Pow do off the floor. Like. Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. And just like, you know just like they're just like gentlemen right like they're just very stoic and I think that's a pretty good way to like land on it I think that stoicism is initially what really like captivated like me toward Mark um is just he kind of had this like stoic sense that a lot of the Raptors like players don't typically have like the Raptors are really like in your face like tenacious very annoying kind of style of play and Marcus all doesn't really play like that um he's just kind of a defensive mastermind so like on the court just right away you kind of notice like the nuance that he brought and how like tidy he kind of made defense seem almost right away um it wasn't even so much his athleticism as much as like his prowess and like presence and then off the court I don't know, just like every time I, I saw him, either he'd look kind of grumpy or like kind of tired or just like, but then he was always like, he whenever it was time to like talk to the media, he'd just be immediately like on, you know, like super professional, like very like, he's so hard on himself too. You know, he's just like always kind of seems to run that, that balance of being like, I want to reach out and be like, dude, like you did a great job. Like you yeah, don't like it's to be, okay. It's yeah. all right. Like you did. <laughs> yeah. You don't need to like be that hard on yourself. You know, you're a defensive player of the year. You're an NBA champion. Um, it's okay. If you're like 
slipping a little bit, you know? Like it's also yeah, if you have, like a bad game against like, Charlotte in the middle yeah, of November or exactly. something. Like it's all right. It's like you're going to be fine. Yeah. Exactly. But I think when I wrote that piece you're referring to um, for Basketball Feelings, my newsletter, it was like after OG made that shot uh, in the playoffs against the Celtics when it looked like the Raptors were out of it. And then he made that crazy shot from the corner. And when everybody rushed him, like ran onto the court and rushed him, Mark just stood there kind of outside the fray with his arms up forever for the longest time. And I just felt, I felt like he was so protective of them. And then I felt so protective of Mark as being this kind of outlier. And he always was kind of this outlier as much as like he became such a valuable personality uh, and component of the team. He always just kind of held himself at a little bit of a distance. And I think he does that like across the board with all his teams. But I think there's something quite intriguing about that. Yeah, no, I mean, the, the gentleman descriptor, I think is like an accurate one. And like, he, he almost strikes me again, this is like early impressions as someone who is like a, just a director of people on and mm-hmm. off the floor, mm-hmm. like the way that he like, like he comes in in his first preseason game and he's already like not bossing around has like a negative connotation, but you know, he's telling guys where to rotate, where they should be, whatever he's coaching guys up on the floor. And then like, like that is almost where I think a lot of his defensive impact comes from at this point is just those mm-hmm. smarts because he obviously like you know you or I might be able to jump as high as him at this point um you know uh, with all due respect to Mark but like he's still like a really really smart player and Mm -hmm. even like off the floor like the first couple like medias that we've had uh with him like he knows kind of where he wants to get to in like like when he's speaking or when he's thinking like you know he'll he'll stop questions early because he already like he's been asked that question a hundred times and just immediately start like you know answering because he already knows what his thoughts are on this like particular you asking him about pick and roll coverage that he's talked about like nine million times in his NBA career and uh you know it is like you know it's hard not to respect someone that just seems to like not only like understand what their role is, but mm-hmm. like also be just a leader. Like the way LeBron talks about him, the way that other guys have talked about like how he's come in and like already is kind of directing guys and acting like he's been a leader on the team. Like it is, it's easy to see why he would draw people in, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny what, about the questions. Cause I feel like that's just part of his like efficiency. He's just very like answer to question time. Efficiency is like off the charts. We'll have to get that mm-hmm. on his basketball reference page he's just like he's just such a weird anomaly like I don't know if you ever watched um Serge Ibaka had several like shows when he was in Toronto but he had one aside from his cooking show called Avec Class which he would invite different teammates to Holt Renfrew which is this high-end like men's department store in Toronto I Um, saw the OG one I I think that's the one that everybody's seen but yes but he had one with Mark and Mark showed up in like it was also like February or March which in Toronto is like it's winter time it's like the dead of winter he showed up in like pool slides shorts just like a week like a hat that was obviously like I don't it had just like the name of a company like just a giveaway kind of hat you know he was just like had a, a strange like certain style on and he was like I'm just like a more casual style, you know, like pal's more of like a politician, but me, I'm like casual, timeless. But then when it came time for him to like pick his nice outfit, he looked immaculate. So I think it's just like he contains multitudes. And I'm really, I miss that. I feel like I never, you know, we just scratched the surface of it here. 
Yeah, so he's basically he's the guy he's the guy who's cheap and like takes every freebie he gets. Like me, yeah. like I'm actually wearing the uh, Lakers podcast fedora. I'm not normally a fedora wearer. I did I forgot to give this disclaimer when we were off the air, but it's just something I do as like a podcast bit. Um, but yeah, like this is like a free Cal State Fullerton shirt I have on. I have my free Cal State Fullerton water bottle. Like you know, I, so I respect someone who takes a freebie and just wears it. Like you know, it's funny sometimes you see like NBA guys like wearing like former team gear or whatever at summer league or what. Like that's how you know. That's how you know the guys that really like save their money is like mm-hmm. the like in the bench guys or whatever that are wearing all this. So I don't think we'll probably see Mark in like Raptors gear while he's at Lakers practice. But that is funny that he's a he big could. guy. He might he might just forget straight up. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So really quickly before, or I mean, it doesn't have to be quick. But before we go to a break, I just like I feel like there's. Like they're they're like I obviously I know a little bit about Marcus All. Like I would see the Raptors play on national TV. I watched him play the Lakers. You know I'm mm-hmm. familiar with him going back to the Grizzlies like vaguely. Like obviously he's not someone I watched you know 70 games a year of or anything like that. But like I'm I understand or I feel like I have a base understanding of Marcus All's game. But I feel like. Like when you get a guy on your team, on the team, whether it's the team that you cover, whether it's the team that you root for and you watch them like game in and game out, there are things Mm -hmm. that you pick up that you just, you don't know, like you don't about guys that you just watch like four or five times a year whenever they play the team you're, you know, you watch most often. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I felt that way about Danny Green. Like I had like a baseline understanding of what Danny Green brought to the table. But then it's like he comes here and you're like, oh, okay, his three point percentage is so good because he has games where he hits seven threes, but then he has games where he goes like, oh, for seven. Mm -hmm. Uh, And like he's very, very streaky shooter, which is something that you don't necessarily just pick up just from looking at their three point percentage and having like a vague understanding of their game. So like this is a long winded way of asking this, but like what are some things that like Lakers fans listening to this should be on the lookout for with Mark, like in terms of just like game to game stuff that maybe you wouldn't notice if you just like had more of an overall understanding of kind of where he was at? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of tough because with Mark is like what I said before is like he just has this way of when he's on the floor, everyone will just be in a better position. You know what I mean? Like he, cre- well, he, aside from just like creating a ton of space for his guys, it's just like he is so like he's constantly communicating. Uh, so when you said he's like, he's he isn't bossy, like he doesn't yell at people the way like Larry does, you know, like someone like that, but like he won't, he's not shy just about like placing people exactly where they need to be on the floor. And I think just like his brain, I often compare it to like Larry in terms of like basketball savantness and like this kind of future site, but he's got a very, just like his defensive brain, you know, like he can see things happening. I'd say like four or five steps out from when they will. And you notice it more when he's not on the floor. So just to say like, oh yeah, look at him. He's going to do X, Y, Z. This is actually the highest compliment is like you, you become aware when they're not out there actually. Oh yeah. They're like, it was like, you know, in the, when the Celtics beat the Raptors in the bubble, like when Mark was not like Mark was not playing his best, but then when he was not on the floor, it was just like, you're like, oh, right. Put him back out. Right. Like, cause you know, for a minute you'd be like, oh, maybe Mark needs a break. Maybe this isn't Mark's game. And then he'd get taken out and you're like, please put Mark back in again. <laughs> so I think like, cause it's not so much athleticism, you know, like obviously he's, that's just like, that's natural. Like that is something that he's not where he's going to, he was going to be at like three years ago, but yeah. he's just like his defensive prowess and like efficiency, if we could use that word again, it's just something that I think like, really high caliber players like LeBron James, like Kyle Lowry, like they recognize that it's just, he's going to make, he just makes their job so much easier. Like LeBron is going to have to do a lot less with Gasol on the floor than he would have with say like, 
um, I'm uh, who did you lose? Oh, with yeah, with, with, yeah, with with Dwight Javale. Um, I guess like I don't even know how many minutes Deion Waiters ended up getting, but not, not very, he ended up getting hurt, and then he was like out of the lineup. But yeah. yes, I, I mean Gasol clearing Deion Waiters basketball IQ. With all due respect to Deion Waiters, no, that's not, not the highest bar. That's not a high ceiling. Um, yeah. I just completely blanked on Dwight Howard. That's yeah. Like, my no, own. I mean I think Dwight has better <laughs> defensive IQ than he gets credit for. But Mark, you you can tell that like Mark is like a different level where like mm-hmm. LeBron. You know, LeBron, there aren't very many people he talks about as, like, people who think the game at the level that he does. Like, Rondo has been one of them consistently throughout the years, but that, or at least, you know, his two years with the Lakers. But that is really the only guy that he's ever, like, talked about on that level. Like, and it's not, like, a narcissistic thing. Like, it's a, you know, like, Mm -hmm. I just process the game differently than most people, and there are very few people that process it that quickly. And he kind of already talks about Mark like that, so I do think that they're going to be excited to play together. You mentioned the playoff thing. I do want to get into that a little bit more, but first I'm going to take a really quick break to uh, pay some bills. All right, so the the playoff thing is, you know, you mentioned that even though there's this perception that he was really bad in the bubble, or at least like really bad during the playoff run. Like it's something that I've heard people bring up a lot of, mm-hmm. like quite a few times, and you know, like kind of just either excuse it as like, oh, it was the long layoff, or it was the like, you know, it was just like how quickly they had to get back up and running. He's a little older now; he wasn't kind of able to be in the spot that he wanted to be. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious, I guess, like number one, like, do you feel like his struggles were somewhat overstated? Because it sounds like you feel like they were still kind of better off with him on the floor for the smaller things he brings, even if he wasn't playing like you know statistically incredibly well. And then number two, like, do you have any insight into like what was maybe behind like if like his somewhat it sounds like at least mediocre bubble showing. I mean, it's interesting because I would say you've, you've probably heard that from a lot of people, but where I heard it first from was from Mark. You know what I mean? Like he yeah. is the first person to be, as I said, like so critical of himself um, to call himself on it. He was just like, you know, most games where it showed, he would just be like, I know you saw it. Like I saw it first. Like I, I'm really unhappy with kind of how I showed up tonight. I don't know what it was. It's like this kind of mystery, the same thing around like Pascal Siakam, like he didn't play very well at all in the bubble. And he was having a phenomenal season before that. Like same with Mark, like, you know, the Raptors went through so many injuries last season where it was just yeah, they were really good last year. Yeah. Like- yeah. It was just like this next man up mentality. Right. And like being very comfortable and versatile to like lean into these kind of wacky lineups that had to get thrown together on the fly because of guys just like getting hurt, like left, right, and center. Um, And I think, you know, in that versatility, you would think a player maybe like Mark wouldn't have thrived as much, but he did. He, he like, he was kind of ready for it. And I think in the bubble, I don't know, like if I kind of buy into it being a a case of like his athleticism kind of falling off in that, in that period of time. Like, I really don't think that's what it was because I think he's, tried to and the trainers all said this last season too and going into this season before he was traded just that like he was kind of going the extra mile to make sure he was in great physical shape you know like they had him trying a lot of new things because I think he was super cognizant of the fact that like he was getting older and was kind of looked at in that way um 
I don't know if it was just kind of like a fatigue, like a general fatigue. Like there's so much that happened in the bubble that we can never really know about being outside of it. And outside of the bubble, like, yeah, you know, just that could take a mental toll and all of those mm-hmm. things. Yeah, no, I, t- mm-hmm. I totally get that. That's why like anyone that struggled in the bubble, like I have empathy for that because <laughs> like we have no idea what happened to them either leading up to the bubble. We don't know if they got sick. We don't know if they had family that got sick and that takes a mental toll. We don't know if just everything in the world was bringing them down. Mm-hmm. Like there's so many different things that could lead stuff like that Mm -hmm. he gets I guess like he just didn't look as sharp maybe yeah but then again like you know as you said there's a lot of players that kind of didn't seem themselves quote right like some players could find a different gear and like grew I think from that experience um but Mark was just like really I think he had to pick up a lot of slack too you know like because because Serge Ibaka wasn't also like at his kind of tip-top form so Mark had to pick that slack up Chris Boucher is supposed to be the backup for both of them his physicality was really not nearly where it had to be to go up against like huge like you know much bigger in some cases like much bigger teams like the Lakers are huge huge team that's that's why it was surprising to me that they kind of I I mean not flamed out they took Boston to seven games so like they Mm -hmm. you know they had a pretty good playoff run all things considered like you know especially considering how many guys you mentioned didn't kind of play up to their level that they still you know were a game away from the Eastern Conference finals Um, but like they were honestly when people were asking me what's the team that you would be most worried about the Lakers facing in the finals like it was the Raptors because Mm -hmm. they over the last two regular seasons had really kind of taken it to the Lakers they took it to them in that game in the bubble it was a game where people were like it was they were coming off of this Clippers game where everybody's like okay Lakers the favorites now they just proved it they took that game from the Clippers like they are you got to put them number one with a bullet or you know number one right next to Milwaukee and the Clippers slightly below them at this point and they went and lost to the Raptors and it was a bad loss like they played horribly and like I I thought that it was mostly the way that the Raptors defended them I thought Mark was part of that I thought Pascal Mm -hmm. was part of that like they had a lot of big wing bodies to really disrupt LeBron and even Mark could kind of like I mean Mark can't stay in front of LeBron but like he could do well enough to affect his shot make him uncomfortable as like a secondary defender stuff like that and like Mm -hmm. you know they were they were really rolling and like I thought that he was gonna end up probably having a great bubble run but it seems like you know things kind of tailed off for them as uh like an entire team I guess like with that kind of in the rear view and as the context like what do you expect from him this season? Like, were you surprised that he came here for the minimum? Because like, I was expecting him to get more than that. Like, especially when you look at the center market, I'm assuming it was probably mostly like a, I want to go somewhere where I have a chance at a ring type thing Mm -hmm. at this stage of his career. He's made a ton of money, but like, were you surprised to kind of see him take the minimum and go like chase a ring specifically here? Yeah. First, I want to say I'm glad you brought up that game, that Lakers game. That was like my favorite game that the Raptors played in the bubble. That was like I, a I game. Mean, that was an inc- <laughs> that was one of the best defensive performances I've ever seen. And mm-hmm. like, I, I don't want to be like hyperbolic because like you're here. What like it was genuinely like I was going you know one round, two rounds into the playoffs, still saying like the Raptors would be a scary matchup for the mm-hmm. Lakers. Like. Yeah, like the Celtics were just their worst case scenario. Like if it was yeah. any, if it had like fallen any other way, I really think it would have been Lakers Raptors. And like I'm not looking at this with like rose colored like retrospective glasses. No, it's like rock yeah. paper scissors. Like every team has their like their matchup disadvantages yeah. or whatever. Like yeah, and, and the and the Celtics just had their number in that sense. But I think like they could have given the Lakers a run. Like that would have been a very. I, I think it would have. I mean, I loved the Heat matchup too, but I think that would have been. I think they really would have stood a chance in that case. But yeah, I was super surprised that Mark left. Um, I actually like, I mean, I was kind of shocked 
I thought they were just going to run it back with everybody. Um, it made more sense to me, which is what I think happened, which is Mark wanted a two year. Like I think he wanted um, the security of that. And the Raptors were only wanted to offer him and Ibaka a one year, basically to just like keep the books free, I think for Giannis, which is now, you know, evaporated. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, that but, didn't end up working out, but look like you, no. you can't, it's hard to judge them too much for that. Like if you think you have a shot at Giannis, which I'm sure they were hearing they had a shot at least like, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, maybe Mark, similar to Serge, just kind of looked at the team like it's it's going to be another very weird, disrupted kind of season. Like they're playing in Tampa. The rhythm's going to be super off. Like for someone like Mark, who's like, you know, got less years in the league than he, you know, he's looking at less than he had, you know, even a year ago. He probably wants some stability and I think some security and the assurance of like a decent contract and, you know, locking in for two years, I think makes more sense for him. Um, I think it was a great time for him to make that move because bigs were at such a premium in free agency this year. Like the Lakers, I think scared everybody. I really think they scared everybody into sizing up. Yeah, so, they scared, you know, known finals contender Detroit into spending like, you know, $80 million on bigs. Like That team is just bigs now. <laughs> like, yeah, like know. they're all centers. Like, yeah, it's just a huge, it's just the hugest team with no plan. Um, and I don't know how they're going to play. Like, but, Lakers you know, went okay, big. We're going to go bigger. We're just all tall ball. Like, yeah. you know, we're running out like five, seven footers. Like, and, you know, yeah. let's see them pop that. Yeah. So I think the fit makes sense. I guess I just didn't think of him. I mean, I understand like, because you know, Powell lives there. So I think about it, it makes more sense when I think of it like that. But I wasn't like, yeah. I'm like, Mark's not an LA guy. Like he doesn't seem like, you know, that kind of, that kind of lifestyle. But I don't know when you, when you get to that point in your career, I guess like, who is it? A, a LA person. Like, okay, can- first of all, I, I'm, I'm <laughs> a little offended by the negative implication of LA guy there, but like, I I'm gonna let- LA. I've got a lot of friends in LA. I just mean when you looked side by side, I'm in my mind, I compare him and Serge, right? They both went to LA. I'm like, Serge is more of a LA guy quote. I mean, me. Serge seems like an LA guy for a while <laughs> yeah, with the yeah. TV shows and like, he's, you know, he's going to get some like t- reality show out here or something, exactly. whatever. Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> like as far as like how he fits in on the court that I mean obviously again like he probably took less than he was being Mm -hmm. offered elsewhere but there's a reason he was available for the minimum like what do you think is like a fair expectation for him this year and are there are there any guys that you're really excited to like watch him play with this uh, this season on the Lakers I'm kind of excited to see like to have him like whip whip some of these like young younger guys into into shape so to speak I'm kind of excited to see him I am like from what I said earlier I really believe that he is gonna like make LeBron's job a lot easier um I'm really curious to just see like how they kind of pair up and streamline the team um I think like when you look at like a Kyle Kuzma or like a player like that like the the spots that the Lakers looked kind of spotty in the bubble was just when they're like the they have good defense but it's just when it looked a little bit like kind of willy-nilly and like unorganized you know um a little bit thin yeah. Yeah, so, no, I, I think like, I mean, obviously they they were great defensively overall in the bubble, but there were games where like, you know, they were kind of either out of sorts as they were making adjustments or okay. whatever. Like, I think they adjusted really well throughout that run, but there were games where it looked like teams had figured them out. And like, obviously I, I think, you know, I'm glad that you mentioned Kuz. Like he's a guy that I think honestly, like Mark is going to have the most impact on, mm-hmm. like, you know, especially after just signing an extension, like he doesn't have to worry about getting paid anymore. He can kind of just worry about what helps this team win. And like, 
I th- thought that it was really admirable that he sacrificed a lot of like kind of shot opportunities and like, you know, things that he felt like he had earned last year to mm-hmm. really commit to trying to be their defensive mm-hmm. stopper. Again, that did not always work. Um, like we saw there were games where he was getting lit up by Jimmy Butler because he was a little too slight. Like mm-hmm. we saw that, the, but we also saw games during the year where he was able to basically shut down Jason Tatum in the second mm-hmm. half. And like, I um like I'm excited not just for how Gasol I think can back him up and like help him kind of improve at the little things defensively and like serve as kind of a backstop for him but also uh like just offensively like Kuz is a great cutter and there was just no one outside of LeBron to find him last year and they didn't play together a ton and Mm -hmm. like I am already after like I think he's played in like two of their four preseason games. I am like beyond hype to see Kyle Kuzma, you know, on the receiving end of those, like, uh, like Marcus Gasol's outlet passes, Marcus Gasol's passes from the high post, all that stuff. Yeah. And same with like Caruso. When I think of players who, yes. can yeah, he's another player. like get, he came like, he's so fun to watch, but sometimes he's so fun to watch because he gets so ahead of himself and just like, inevitably kind of flustered in that so I think just like this necessary like same thing like he'll just he'll Gasol will just be able to balance that out a little bit more um I think just in terms of like spacing for like shooting like shooting guys who like came up in the bubble like KCP like I I've always really loved Kadavis Caldwell Pope but I'm I was so glad to see him kind of like get his shine it was very awesome especially after the start of the year he had yeah exactly but guys like that, I mean, like new guys like Dennis Sh- like Schroeder, like he, again, super fast, super fun to watch. But I think like, I think Mark's surrounded by, because he had that a little bit, he did have that a little bit in Toronto, but I have to concede that like the Lakers have more of that like energy now. Like they've got a lot more velocity, I guess you could say, and, and kind of like size and Thrust. speed. Thrust, as Rob Polinka would say, as he coined, like we don't like pace, we like thrust. I don't was, uh... like. I'm not. I can't align myself with that. But <laughs> <laughs> sure, um, and of course, just like with Anthony Davis, like I don't know, like I'm just picturing, like I'm picturing all the like you know, even when the Lakers go, the Lakers go hulking. If they want to use Mark in those lineups, that would be fantastic to see. If they want to go small with just like LeBron and Mark, I don't know, on the floor, like. It's just, it's going to be a very interesting, he's going to add like a lot of kind of necessary nuance. I don't know. And I know that sounds extremely vague, but again, I just like, you'll know it when you see it. Um, And then finally, I think with someone like Trez, like coming from a very disorganized system with the Clipper. Yes. Again, like that's just someone who is clearly just like, they just needed a leader. I think that's why the team fell apart. Um, and now he'll have that in LeBron as much as he'll have it defensively in Gasol. Yeah, no, I'm, I, you know, I, you brought up Anthony Davis and like, I am like, that is a front court that as much as, you know, like there will be matchups where that's not ideal because yeah. they do, like, they're too small and they aren't able to input, like there'll be nights where that doesn't work. But on the nights that that is working, those two guys, like between the two of them, like the Lakers, I'm not sure that they will make a defensive mistake when they are engaged on that end of the floor mm-hmm. with those two out there, like kind of quarterbacking it because like Mark has that rep and like, you already see it a little bit during the preseason. There was a moment during that 
Jets, their first preseason game against the Suns, where they just decided that they weren't going to let the Suns score and went on like a like 20 to like two run or something like that and come back into that game. And like, I, I believe Mark was a part of that, if I'm remembering correctly. But like Anthony Davis is one of the smartest defensive players I've ever seen. And mm-hmm. like, I'm excited for the combination of those two on the defensive end, kind of directing all of those guards that are like giving out ball pressure and stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. I do think that there will be moments during the regular season where this team is a little disengaged, like they're defending their title, they have to load manage a little bit, but like in the playoffs, like like this is going to be, I think, one of the smartest defensive teams that we've ever seen. And like you talked about Mark shooting a little bit, and mm-hmm. like I'm curious about like his three point percentage. Obviously, was like pretty good last year. I believe he was like high thirties. And like like how real is that? How willing of a shooter has he become? Like is that because I know with some seven footers, like you know, percentage wise they shoot well, but they don't take that many, and they don't look like you know it's a pause. Like they don't really want to do it. They launch it as a last result. Like where is he at, kind of on that scale? The last time I I think we saw him, he looked uncomfortable, and I think, but I think that's where he was being hard on himself because the the times that he is making those shots and he's like he can he's capable of being like a clutch shooter, which is very interesting for like you know you wouldn't look at him and be like oh he's not like a versatile kind of like next gen like big big player you know like he's not like an OG Ananobi he's not like an Anthony Davis he's not this kind of like he he's not fluid basically between positions you know but. He does work on, he works on, like, he's just constantly, like, improving himself. So he was working on his shot with the Raptors. Like, there were times when, you know, you'd kind of see it go to him. It would get, like, flung out to him by Larry or something. And he'd be like, no, don't take the shot, Mark. And then he'd take it and he'd make it. And you're like, always take the shot, Mark. So I think. <laughs> so like, he's, a, so he's, a, he's like Danny Green. That's, like, that's all Raptors guys. They're no, no, <laughs> yes shooter. Like. Danny, no, Danny's a little bit more flighty. I'd say yeah. that like Mark, when Mark plants and is like, I'm shooting, it's just, I'd say like 80% of the time he's going to make the shot. Um, All right. Well, we're going to hold you to that. Like 80% <laughs> when he's confident. Um, I love, and I also think like finally on that, I think like surrounded by more willing shooters, like that's where the Raptors like flamed out again. Like I'm just really picking them apart but like you know they're <laughs> no they're it's, re- it's relevant to this discussion we're trying to figure out like context from last year and where he fits in now like well, pick them apart all you want nobody's gonna get mad on this podcast <laughs> just don't do it on a raptors one there's kind of like the inverse of the raptors and that like where the raptors kind of stall out is like their offense is so generative of like what their defense is doing. Like if their if their defense is good and they're kind of like, you know, locked down on defense, it's going to translate to offensive energy and rhythm for them. And then if it, if it goes like, that's where they basically, they get sticky. Whereas I think the Lakers, like they're always like generating their own shots. Like they're, they're like, that's all they seem to be able to do at times. I mean, and it's like, like very frustrating. <laughs> Yeah, they have, like, two of the best guys in the NBA at doing that. And then they just added, like, Schroeder, who, you know, he's not in the top 10 or anything in terms of generating his own shot. But, like, he he is a guy who can do that as well. He's very and, confident and, like, yeah. super willing to try and do that. Yeah, you would and think like, he was in the top 10 based on yeah. watching him play. Like, and yeah. I wish, like, Pascal Siakam could, like, borrow some of that confidence and energy. Because, honestly, that's what it is. It's just, like, deciding. And then if it doesn't fall, whatever, you're going to come back and try it again. So I think being around that kind of, that many like dominant scorers and shooters and willing shooters is going to rub off on Mark. It will just have to also, if he wants to like fit into that system and be a versatile player and like get the minutes I think he wants. Cause this is the thing. I don't think he signed to the Lakers to just like, I think his athleticism doesn't matter as much 
It's yeah. he's not going to be relied upon for that, but he's also not a player who's going to be comfortable resting on his laurels or like not contributing as much as he can. Yeah, I think that is going to be like a key. The shot that you mentioned is going to be a key, I think, for him this year, mm-hmm. just because like, when you look at, you know, we don't know what their starting lineup is going to be. My assumption is going to be that it's going to be uh, Gasol and Davis in the front court. And then I will assume that LeBron's going to start. I know like bold limb to like walk out on, but like, so you have those three guys and Careful. then, yeah, you know, like you have a. Uh, you have like like maybe Schroeder, maybe KCP, maybe mm-hmm. probably not. I don't think it's going to be Alex Caruso. Like it might be Kuzma. Like you know those three guys like potentially uh, like kind of vying for starters minute. Maybe Wes Matthews. Um, mm-hmm. Like those four guys are potentially mm-hmm. like the two starters in the backcourt. But like you know, however you slice it, even if it's KCP and Matthews, which is probably the best combination of shooters there. Like so, if you go with that one, and then you have Gasol, you have AD, and you have LeBron. Like Gasol is the guy that they're going to leave. Like, you know, and like almost regardless of what lineup you play them in, unless it's maybe with Caruso, like the only guy that's going to get left more is Gasol. And so like Mm -hmm. he's going to have to launch those shots up if like, you know, he's going to have to take threes. He's going to have to like at least somewhat like I think sometimes that's overstated how much like big guys actually have to do it to be able to make the offense run. But there will be times where, you know, he has eight feet of space and he's just got to let it fly because Mm -hmm. otherwise, you know, you're basically giving the offense what you want. He's almost like in this one specific way, a seven foot Rajon Rondo in that like there were times where last year the Lakers would get gummed up because Rondo just did not want to shoot. And like, you know, they're going to have, I think, you know, if Gasol isn't willing to, they may have similar struggles at times just in that one aspect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. But again, I think that like he'll, he's going to want to shoot, but I don't think they're actually going to get as stuck as they would have last season you know like the Lakers are just like in in getting Gasol like you just get you just get a your whole system is just going to work a lot better it's going to be a lot more fluid you're kind of hoping that he basically makes it so you don't get as jammed up if if someone like you know if if he he doesn't really have to shoot as long as he's making space for other guys to do it you know what I mean so um yeah I don't know I'm just like it's tough I just keep flashing back to be like yeah, he doesn't play for Toronto anymore. <laughs> I'm getting upset the more I like talk about him and miss, well, miss him. Dearly. I apologize for putting you through emotional okay, trauma. It's okay. Podcast, it's it's I gotta content. get over it. <laughs> no, honestly, this is like this is great podcast content because like you're about to have a mental breakdown on the air, and like that should tell Lakers fans that like this is a valuable guy that they should want on their well, team. What's like, the take? Can I ask you? Like, are Lakers fans generally excited about Mark? Or yes, are they yeah, very much so. And like, okay, good. <laughs> I think it's like it, it's part partially the like the pow thing because pow is like a guy like you know he had there were people that complained about pow while he was here because there are people that complain about everyone unless you are like even lebron gets complained about sometimes yeah. like you know it's <laughs> this is a fan base with a very high standard and honestly all fans complain about all players at some point in their career but like you know gasol is probably as beloved of a former laker as you'll find pow that is um mm-hmm. and i have to specify that now um and like you know, just like a genuinely, like one of the nicest people like to ever come through the Lakers building, like player or no. Uh, mm-hmm. And so like there's a lot of love for Pow, I think, in this fan base. And so like just from that, like, you know, emotional storytelling perspective, almost like I think there are a lot of people just excited to have a Gasol again coming back to L.A. to help them chase the title. You add in that Pow, like the way that he's been there for Vanessa Bryant and her kids, like mm-hmm. since, you know, the tragedy of uh, almost a year ago now with uh, when, you know, Kobe and Gianna died. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
and like just how he's kind of been there for Vanessa and now Mark is going to be there and potentially have power around and stuff like that. I think people were just like, even away from the basketball, people were excited about that part of it. And then like, just, you know, on the basketball court, like, he could still play, you know, like obviously, you know, people can say what they want about the the bubble thing or whatever, but like on this team, there's so much talent that like any weaknesses that he had are going to be harder to attack because there are like so many other guys that can help him and like kind of like not reduce his role necessarily in terms of minutes, although I don't think he'll probably play as many this year, mm-hmm. um, but also reduce like how much like we saw last year with guys that are really high IQ, like great, like historically good players like Dwight Howard, like when you ask them and they commit to doing a role of like just a couple things, like you got to screen really hard, mm-hmm. like, you know, for Dwight, it was screen really hard, be a lob threat, defend his ass off. And mm-hmm. like, you know, he was really good at that. And I think that not in the same way, but Mark will almost be freed by having to take on less responsibilities when he's on the court. And I think, you know, everybody's always excited when you can get a guy that like with that pedigree for the veterans minimum and add them to a team that's already the defending champion. So like, mm-hmm. I feel like he is, you know, unless I'm missing some huge contingent of anti-Mark like Lakers Twitter, like I think the fan base is mostly very excited about having him here. So like you, okay. you know, you can at least take solace in that he will be appreciated, you know, at least until he misses like, you know, every shot in like three games into the season or something. And then he will absolutely get booed virtually because that is just how he might do that. And then, but then he'll make those (laughs) shots for the next like six games. So I guess like, you know, brace yourselves for that. Um, But you're, yeah, that makes me, that does make me feel a lot better. Thank yeah, you. so I, I, not to look, I, I have to traumatize you one more time on this okay. podcast. And um, <laughs> like, you know, you mentioned we've talked, we brought up Surge a couple times and mm. like, you know, the Lakers are going to be, you know, we would expect unless they flame out against the Nuggets again, uh, we'll, they would play, they're probably going to play the Clippers at some point during this run to try and def- defend their title unless either one of these teams doesn't take care of business at some point. Um, Surge is obviously a guy like Lakers fans wanted Surge like as well. And like he was a guy that like when both of these teams were hunting for bigs, I think both fan bases and both teams really, I think, pursued both of them to some degree. Uh, and, you know, like I think Surge is a guy who, now is being picked apart a little bit by Lakers fans because like, you know, they got Trez and like they hear Clippers fans saying that now they upgraded because they got Ibaka over Trez and people are pumping up Trez. And like, I don't want to make this a thing like that, but like, Mm -hmm. how do you see him kind of fitting into what the Clippers do? And then like, do you think like that is like, is he going to be like, is he going to make them a bigger matchup problem for the Lakers kind of in your view, just having watched Surge for, you know, the last, I think what, two years now? Like, yeah. Yeah, two years. So, I mean, no, because the problem that I think the Clippers still have has not been solved, which is like they need a point guard that can like tell people what to do, you know, in my like my I'm really glad um, Chris Paul went to the Suns. But in my like dream like scenario, I was like, wouldn't it be great if he went back to the Clippers? No, don't say that. Come on. (laughs) I got to keep this part of the podcast. Like, (laughs) well, that's also just to like talk myself out of I think the Clippers are just going to try and poach Kyle Lowry next season because they're like yeah. dismantling the Raptors it's funny you said that and then that was the first thing that popped into my head I'm like oh man this is really going to hurt her if Kyle Lowry ends up on the on the Clippers too because well, they're just like huh let's let's try and copy the blueprint as much as we can but like yeah, biggest... was, he learned the championship blueprint with the Raptors and yeah. is just rebuilding their entire team with the Clippers we yeah. just figured out a master plan because when they realize oh shit like we can't just have Kawhi and like replicate 
replicate what the Raptors did, then they're like, okay, we'll get Serge and we'll try again. But it's like, no, no they need the real proven champions yeah. on the Raptors roster. Serge Ibaka and Kyle Lowry. Like, look, we saw it last year. Like, they kept that team going. So, yeah. So I think, like, I think Serge, I think he makes them better. Um, I think he does make them a bit of a better team. But Serge plays so well when he has, a, like, a Kyle Lowry or, like, you know, like someone who can, he can just, like, do, like, they just the the playmaking between those two was so fluid and just like they were just so generative for each other um and like Larry made Serge better like Serge like worked on granted like Serge is a good shooter too I'd say that's one thing he does have over Gasol um his shooting it, it can be a little bit more reliable um and I think he's trying to like work that into his repertoire as like being more of like a threat you know um on the floor from just like he is a bit of a more versatile big man, I guess, in that yeah. sense. But again, I don't, I just like, I don't think there's that much to be worried about because unless the Clippers have that person in place who can kind of make all the pieces fit, because it's not Kawhi, like Kawhi is like an amazing basketball, like he's a, like a, such a singular basketball mind, but he needs someone else to like make those decisions for him and like free he's him like up. A, he's a hammer. He needs somebody to like, to direct things for yeah. him. But like, yeah, he is like the greatest arguably like the greatest isolation hammer that we have in the league right now, just in terms of like beating his own matchup. Yeah. And he doesn't want to lead. And similarly, like Serge, though he did step up and I think he became more of a role model type player um, to a lot of like the younger core, I wouldn't necessarily call him a leader on the floor. Like there were times when what would frustrate me about watching Serge Ibaka is sometimes he would look a little bit lost, a little bit frustrated with himself, but he couldn't, like he couldn't figure it out for himself. He needed someone else to like, kind of set him up and be like you should just do this now which was always Kyle Lowry so I don't know like I I guess a lot has been made of like the friendship and bond between Kawhi and Serge so like I'm happy for them I guess but I don't think that like that's gonna really hold together as much as they need to on the floor like that team hasn't really fixed its problems to me yeah, no, I, I thought Rondo would have been, like, a good get for them. Like, not from, you know, not probably for the regular season very much, mm-hmm. but for the playoffs, I think he would have helped them. Like, but, I, I mean, all I just took from that was, like, chemistry problems in L.A. Serge Ibaka thinks the Clippers need a better point guard than uh, than Patrick Beverly. Like, you know, that's all I took away is, like, that is a future headline, uh, you know, of some sort down the line. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, uh, Lakers fans will be excited to know that uh, Serge will not single-handedly fix their uh, their chemistry yeah. issue. It makes them more likable. Uh, and like a little bit more fun. He's an exceedingly likable player. Like I I know obviously people don't want to hear that now that he's a Clipper, but like he is like, he is hilarious. Like the clips that I've seen of his shows, like I wish more NBA players would lean into, even if it's their own branded content, like lean into it like that and like create those like funny moments that kind of give us a better sense of their personalities and things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I will say it's not just off the court. Like he is a very determined player. He's not quite as hard on himself as I think Gasol is, but like, Serge isn't a slouch, you know what I mean? But I do yeah. worry, I kind of worry for him in that system because I feel like he's going to get worn a little bit thin because I think a lot of stuff's going to get passed off to him that he's not necessarily, like it shouldn't be his role as a leader. Like he shouldn't have a leadership role in that sense. 
Well, this is great. This is a, you, you just like, you are now like probably the Silver Screen Roll podcast listeners like favorite guest of all time. Like you, you, you have a mental breakdown on air about how great their signing of Marcus All is. Like I think that's going to be the headline for this podcast. Like Toronto writer cries on air I about didn't cry. Well, you, see, they're going to see the video. They don't know that. I could, tears True. were streaming down her face. Yeah. Um, like we you had know, to take she, a break. Yeah. yeah, we had to pause. I had to edit out like you know twenty minutes of just sobbing. Like yeah, no. Katie, you are a great sport. I I really appreciate you coming on. Um, I I have to say, like, you know, you are someone that is, I think, like a rising star in basketball media. Like, I started to see your stuff get retweeted onto my timeline more and more last year. I really liked the piece on Mark that you sent me and uh, as I was prepping for this pod. And uh, also your thing on NBA players and their, like, obsession with wine, which, like, in a huge upset, barely included LeBron James. I was, I, I personally, but, like, you know, I get it. He's a hard guy to get for a one-on-one. But, like, I, I thought genuinely, I mean this, like, it was one of the best connections between like a lead and the closeout of a piece that I've ever seen, especially like, you know, for something that's, that was about a 20 minute read to go from like, you know, leading in, I was like, where's she going with like the volcanic ash thing. And then like, uh, to take it back to that's almost like how NBA players are now in terms of seeding the mark. You know, I don't want to fully spoiled piece, but it was great. Um, is there anything else that you want to plug or like, where can people find you? And like, again, I really appreciate you jumping on here. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. I think like the meanest thing I said was that the Lakers are too good offensively. So yeah, no, I think I, look, I don't, I don't think that you're going to get dinged for criticizing the team at all for the like. I don't think that we're and no, actually, I take that back. There will be one person that gets irrationally mad at you for something small you said. So I just want to prepare you for that. Like when I um, said because- Alex Caruso can be a little bit can get a bit like frazzled. Someone's going to. Yeah, that. exactly. Like somebody, <laughs> exactly. Now you just gave it to them. Like they were trying to think of like, what did yeah. you say that made them mad? And now they have it right there. <laughs> so like, just be prepared. There will be one or two people that get absolutely furious about like a very tiny thing. But overall, I really appreciated having you on here. So. Thank you. Um, yeah. uh, For the wine piece, I do have to say that I kind of looked at it as like second gen. And I think, you know, that for like, LeBron is just like so embedded in that now. You know yeah. what I mean? Like if you want to look at it as like old world wine versus new world wine, LeBron's like old world wine. Like he's yeah. so, if you don't think consider him like synonymous with that whole scene, like I didn't want to write that out again. You know, I yeah. wanted to look at some, what some new guys are doing. Also, you're exactly right. I couldn't get it. I didn't even ask for time. With <laughs> I don't blame him. He's a, look, I don't, I, I, you know, I'm on all of these Zoom things. I don't always get called on. So like I, uh, yeah, he's <laughs> it happens. Little, uh, um, to get, uh, to get an interview, <laughs> busy guy. But I guess uh, I'll plug um, my newsletter, Basketball Feelings. So that's where I wrote the Mark piece that I sent you to read. Um, and also I am going to have something about, um, I don't know if Lakers fans like this, but I'm, uh, writing something about Jimmy Butler so that'll be on dime in the coming days um and that's kind of it for now that wine that wine story took a lot out of me that was like a while yeah that was a, like that was <laughs> I think my pocket pegged it as a 24 minute read and like yeah. I mean it was really good I got through it all in one sitting like I, I was actually you know like I as somebody who used to cover Josh Hart I enjoy Josh Hart I did not realize he was this into wine like now and yeah. uh it was kind of interesting <laughs> to hear wine snob Josh Hart like you know come through that was not like an aspect of his personality that I and I use snob in a loving way that is not a criti- you know whatever no, but he- like He's like, so that's the best part. Like, yeah, they were all so approachable about it. Nobody's like, nobody's really a snob about it. 
Yeah, no, and I, I thought that was really cool, and I really enjoyed it. So again, Katie, thank you for coming on here. Uh, and you know, I guess like I mean, I extend a welcome to you to come and like you know watch Mark Gasol, just enjoy like Lakers games with Mark Gasol. Like you know, it, it is an open invite to uh, you know enjoy this juggernaut of a Lakers basketball team that is going to like you know maybe I mean I look I picked them to finish fourth in the West because I think they'll take it easy at times, but a potential historical juggernaut in the playoffs that might even wreck the league. Like we'll see, but um, you know, feel free to tune in and let, you know, enjoy Mark's continued stylings as, you know, like, I, I don't know. I mean, the Raptors are in Tampa. You can't cover them as closely. Like I'm just saying, like, if you want to like latch on to a new team, like this is the one. Thank you. Thank you. At least we should have a check-in. We should have a check-in maybe in like a yeah, month. Mid- We'll have a check-in mid-season, yeah. like mid-season, like if Mark is like underperforming and you'll just yeah. like get people, you know, hyped up on him yeah. again or make them Happy feel better. About that. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you so much. And again, this has been the Silver Screen Roll podcast. You can find us on Apple, iTunes, or not iTunes, Apple, Spotify, you know, pretty much wherever podcasts are bought and sold. And we will be back with another episode for you tomorrow after the Lakers first game of the season. So, uh, you know, look out for that. Alex and Alex will have Taco Tuesday for you. And uh, we will talk to you later and happy holidays, everybody. 